Well, good morning and welcome to another episode of Roadmap to Heaven here on Covenant Network. I'm Adam Wright. So happy to be with you on this Monday morning, June 26th. It's been a it's been a while since we've been together in our normal format. About a week here and I am happy to be back and happy to be able to be back. Came down with a, a pretty bad cold over the weekend and uh Life is really good now that I can breathe again. Let's pray this morning in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart in union with the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world, in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. O sacred heart of Jesus, I place my trust in you. O sacred heart of Jesus, I believe in your love for me. We dedicate all of our thoughts, words, and actions to the greater glory of God in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, this past Saturday was the feast of St. John the Baptist, the nativity of St. John the Baptist. So we're going to talk about him a little bit coming up on the show today. We're also going to hear about... uh, you know, have you ever asked that question? Why does God allow this to happen? You know, I'm in this place in life right now. And why is God allowing me to be in this place, this circumstance in life? Well, Father Chad Ripperger has some comments on that that we're going to hear as well. And then Corey Grizzle and I are going to be to, uh, together talking about comparison. And we got a little Teddy Roosevelt quote for you in that as well, one you might already know now that I've said that. So that's what's ahead today on the show. Before we go to any of that, though, let's go to Mike Roberts for our weather and our saint of the day. Today is the feast day of St. Jose Maria Escriva, founder of Opus Dei. Born in Spain in 1902, he was the second of six children. When Jose was in his early teens, his father's business went bankrupt, so he moved his family to Logroño, where he found work in a clothing store. From his youth, Jose felt called by the Lord and chosen for a special mission. When he was 16, a fresh snow fell in Logroño, and Jose noted the solitary footprints of a Carmelite friar who had walked through the snow in his bare feet. That sacrifice inspired Jose Maria to ask himself, if others can make such sacrifices for the Lord, can I offer something? Jose asked for permission from his father to become a priest and was ordained in 1925. While leading a retreat on the Feast of the Guardian Angel, Jose had a vision of people of all races and all walks of life finding God and reflecting on their faith in their everyday lives and becoming saints. This vision became the foundation of Opus Dei. In 1943, Jose founded the Priestly Society for the Holy Cross, and by the time of his death in 1975, Opus Dei had more than 60,000 members in more than 80 countries. In addition, Jose Maria had a major shrine built in Spain of the Blessed Mother. He said, to Jesus we go and to him we return through Mary. He died on this day in 1975 in his office in front of a painting of Our Lady of Guadalupe. Jose Maria Escriva, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day. Saint of the Day can arrive each morning by subscribing on your favorite podcast player. Search Covenant Network to see all our podcasts. 
True story. The other week, I was on a Zoom call with uh, some parents from my kid's school. We were talking about an upcoming event, and I'm sitting on the couch, and behind me is the fireplace, and it looks all lovely, and the mantle with the light on, and the books lined up, and the decorations my wife has put on the mantle. It it all looked lovely, but if I would have turned the iPad around, you would have seen the, the pile of laundry waiting to be folded, the pile of dirty laundry that needed to go downstairs into the washing machine, the uh, pile of clothes that we were bagging up to give away to charity, and then the eight million toys that our kids had somehow managed to throw all over the house in between the hour when they got home from school and when I was getting ready to make the Zoom call. The point is that sometimes we see, especially on social media, what other people have going on and we're like, oh my goodness, my life is nothing like that. That looks so wonderful and ordered and not chaotic. And I live in the midst of chaos And that is a comparison we need to be wary of. Corey Grizzle is with us today to talk about comparison. And uh, Corey, it's great to have you back. Haven't we all been there before where we look at someone else's pictures and say, oh, their life is so put together. I want that. (laughs) And I think that we blame social media for this a little too much. So definitely it's easier with social media because it's right there in our hands. And it's, you know, if we let it, it's glued to our eyes all the time. And so we see all these picture-perfect things on Instagram and Facebook and things like that. And and it doesn't have to be just social media. It can be the people that you hang around with. It could be your own family. It could be all sorts of things. You know, Teddy Roosevelt said that comparison is the thief of joy. And I absolutely 100% believe that, that if you are constantly comparing yourself to other people and you constantly say, I want to be like that, and then it takes you so long to realize that's not who I am. That's that's not how I get these things done. That, that that's not the process by which I can still get to the same end. Yeah, yeah, I love that comparison is the thief of joy because if, if there's one vice I struggle with a lot, it is envy. And mm. I mean, as the years have gone by, I, I've been able to do more and more with God's grace to uh, resist envy, but. Especially when it comes to musical instruments, I see others and I'm like, oh, I would love to have that guitar. Um, I see cars. I'm a car guy. I don't know much about cars. I just know, oh, that car looks great. I would love to have a car that looks like that. In the meantime, I've got my 2010 Ford Fusion out there with the paint chipping off the front bumper that I need to address. But it's hard because I can get so wrapped up in, oh, my neighbor got a new car or, oh, my friends just went on this vacation or, oh, that guy listened to how that guitar sounds. I really want an amp and a guitar that sounds like that. Oh, 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 oh. And in the meantime, what am I missing? My children, my wife, and all of the joy that abounds in our Mm -hmm. household. So for us mothers, it's all about how other parents are parenting their children, um, how other mothers are getting to do the field trips, or they are um, just really gentle with their children. And you are just about to fly off the handle because... You know, they did the same thing three times in a row when you've said it four times in a row not to do that. That or as a homeschooling mom, the next newest, greatest, more beautiful curriculum that I, I should have that because that is going to make my child be the best in whatever it is or the musical uh, lessons that they get to do or, you know, all of those different things where I'm like, I can't. I, I got to the point where I'm like, I can't I can't do all the things. So how do you step back and say, I need to just focus on 
what we're good at. I need to focus on what I'm good at or what what I'm good at and what my husband and I are deciding to guide our children towards. Is it that we want them to be the best in sports? Is it that we want them to be uh, the best in the musical world or just spend all their time with musical lessons? Or, you know, usually you have to pick one thing because once you figure out that, okay, each kid can have two hobbies, you're never doing anything. You're not getting to go on the vacations. You're not getting to go on, um, you know, just go visit family or to do anything at home, field trips with the kids, you know, things like that. So uh, my husband and I actually sat down pretty recently and we said, what do we want our summer to look like? Because we figured out we have to have some kind of a focus. Either it has to be, okay, we're going to travel, which means we're going to travel once a month, which means that's all we're going to get to do. Because in between that, we have life, you know. Um, Or are we going to do projects around the house? Because if we do projects around the house, we can't travel as much. Because we got to do that. You know, so our time is the thing that that really um, keeps us. All right. What are the biggest things in the focus that we want to accomplish at this point? Yeah. How many years have we gone on vacation to Playa del Bacchiardo? Yeah. Uh, it's one of my favorite places to visit. Uh, tell me about adoration and Father uh, Jacques Philippe and how this all relates to this idea of comparison. And That's where I go when I get really overwhelmed um, about just wanting to do something else and something other than what I am doing very well, I need to just sit in adoration and journal and say, what is, what is going on? And when I looked back at my journals, they're all about, I need to do this better and I need to do that better. And I need to be able to get these things done. And I'm not accomplishing anything by just saying, this is what I need to do. And this is what I, what I want to do. And Father Jacques Philippe, he's an author, he's a speaker. I got to see him uh, two years ago in a retreat. It was amazing. And uh, he really brought me out of these things. And, and I always say he's yelling at me. Nobody else says he's yelling. He couldn't, he couldn't yell if he tried. <laughs> but, but when I read his books, it comes out as, why are you doing this? Why is this so important to you? Why aren't you trusting God more? Why aren't you? Because he'll give his little explanations and he'll give his little stories. And then it just like hits me. Outside the, why, why are you not spending more time with God? and spending more time knowing, loving, and serving him than you are trying to figure out how I'm going to get my house organized, how I'm going to get this project done I saw on Pinterest yesterday, how I'm going to get my children to obey me today, um, how I'm going to get any of these things done. Why am I not just sitting back and trusting in God and finding peace? So his, his one, his several books, and I probably have 10 of them, but the one that I go back to over and over again is um, Searching for and Maintaining Peace. And that has brought me, I've read it and read it and read it, and I have it highlighted, have it underlined. And uh, it really has brought me so much peace because I can sit back and go, I don't need any of that. I don't, I don't need any of those extra things. I need to just focus on what I'm good at doing and how I can raise my children the best way I can. I don't know about you, Corey, but I think that the other great thing that's come from letting go and detaching. I mean, that's that's really a big part of uh, fighting against envy and comparison is detachment, that I don't need mm-hmm. to have these things. You know, that Playa del Backyardo with the kids actually is quite fun. And I can go there pretty much every night. We are uh, lifetime members uh, to that yeah. exclusive club. <laughs> um, but the detachment from that, 
brings great joy then when the vacations do come along. And, you know, it's been seven years since I've gotten to go to the beach. Mm-hmm. And I hope to get back to the beach. I love going to the beach. Yeah. And I know this because we haven't made our priority the beach. We've made our priority raising our children to be virtuous and holy. When that beach vacation comes, oh, how much sweeter it, it will so be. Oh, sweet. Right? <laughs> so uh, that's all I have to say about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we've we've been to the beach several times. Same Same thing about... Um, seven years in between. We don't get to go every year. We don't get to take the kids a lot. I mean, we we have taken the kids several times. And then Tat and I just got to go to St. Thomas, and we never really had a huge, expensive beach honeymoon. We got one after 25 years. So Let me ask you this. Perfect. Would you rather give everything to go to the beach or go to heaven? Oh, I would go to heaven. And exactly. <laughs> See, it's not it's not a hard choice, friends. We just have to stay persistent in that. Well, we are going to take a break here on Roadmap to Heaven. Corey, have you ever sent us to the break? You've been on the show so many times. I don't think I have. Oh, you should do it. All you have to do is say, you're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. We'll be back after this. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. We'll be back after this. The Holy Catholic Church infallibly teaches that the second person of the Most Holy Trinity, our Lord Jesus Christ, is present body, blood, soul, and divinity in the most blessed sacrament, and that it is a sacrilege to receive Holy Communion in the state of mortal sin. Let us pray the Fatima prayer to the Most Holy Trinity. Most Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I adore Thee profoundly. I offer Thee the most precious body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ, present in all the tabernacles of the world, in reparation the outrages sacrileges, and indifferences whereby he is offended. And through the infinite merits of his most sacred heart and the immaculate heart of Mary, I beg of thee the conversion of poor sinners. Amen. Mary, Mother of the Church, pray for us. It is time for a little catechist question. For you this morning, Saturday was the feast of St. John the Baptist and the Nativity of St. John the Baptist. Here is a question for you. How many mysteries of the rosary does St. John the Baptist factor into? Well, that should be misleading. And how many mysteries of the rosary would we say St. John the Baptist is present? That's a better way to phrase that question. And how many mysteries of the rosary would we say St. John the Baptist is present? present. Well, I would tell you, think carefully about it, you might be saying one, but it's really two. The first one would be the visitation and the joyful mysteries. Who does Mary go to visit? Her cousin Elizabeth, who is pregnant with St. John the Baptist. The second would be the baptism in the Jordan and the luminous mysteries and uh, those are the two right there. If we said, how many does he factor into? I mean, you could say he factors into a lot of them because he, he helped prepare the way, right? He was the last of the Old Testament prophets. But, you know, then we're just getting into theological debate and we're not going to do that here like that on the show this morning. Let's get you a, uh, well, you know, I'll, I'll just say this. Let's let's have a little patriotic music here on this Monday morning as we're about a week out from 4th of July. Daily Offering God the Father, I thank Thee for creating me. God the Son, I thank Thee for redeeming me. God the Holy Spirit, I thank Thee for sanctifying me. Infuse into my thoughts, words, and actions Thy grace, so that they may be supernaturally pleasing to Thee and supernaturally rewarding to me forever. O blessed Trinity, 
abundantly assist me in becoming that which thou intended me to become when thou created me. For in thy perfection I will give thee the glory thou desirest of me, and in that perfection I will find my greatest joy in heaven. Amen. Even though there are 52 weeks in a year, some months we have four and a half weeks or five weeks, and I feel like we get a bonus week of the Daily Dose of Encouragement. And uh, this June has been one of those times. So, Patty, how are we wrapping up the month here on the Daily Dose of Encouragement? Well, this week's theme actually stemmed from a conversation that I had. I attended the Legatus Gospel of Life prayer breakfast recently, and it was a beautiful event with probably 500 people pro-life warriors from around the Archdiocese of St. Louis, Peggy Forrest, the president and CEO of Our Ladies Inn, gave the keynote address. And afterwards, I was talking with, again, wonderful people that I know and admire so much. And one of them was Brian Westbrook, executive director and founder of Coalition Life. And it's funny, I simply just asked him this question. I said, Brian, What tips and suggestions would you give for becoming a pro-life witness? What are some basic, easy things that we can do or that we should be intentional about to becoming just a little bit more of a pro-life witness in the world? And I was absolutely shocked by his answers. And they made me pause. And so that's why when anything makes me pause and really hits me, then I know I'm meant to share it. And he gave me permission to share these tips and suggestions for becoming a pro-life witness. So here was the first one. And the first one is the one that really shocked me the most. And he said it instantly. I was just, I was so taken aback. I said, okay, how can we become a better pro-life witness? And here's what he said. Raise well-behaved children. And I said, what? This shocked me so much. I go, what What does that have to do with anything? And then he explained. He said, a pregnant woman might be watching you in the grocery store, in the airport, on a plane, in a restaurant. And if she is looking at you and your children, she's picturing herself. And if your children are unruly, rude, disobedient, and completely ignoring your instruction, she's thinking to herself, I can't do this. I don't want to do this. There's no way. But if she sees your children are respectful, obedient, polite, and listening to instruction, she's thinking, if she can do this with four kids, with six kids, maybe I can do this with one. I was floored by that. But it makes sense. We need to be intentional about that. And I know that every mom listening is thinking, well, my kids are not perfect in public all the time. And I know my kids weren't either. And we don't do anything just because people are watching. However, if we want to be a pro-life witness, if your child's having a meltdown, let's just say your child is really having a meltdown, remove your child, go to the car, go somewhere else, and let your child have that meltdown. But try not to have that public meltdown where other people are seeing and saying to themselves, oh man, there's no way I want to have kids. And I never thought of that before. So it's a way to be a pro-life witness by having children that are actually well-behaved. 
That was not the answer I was expecting when you told us what this week was going to be about, but what a great reminder it is for us. Well, that's our show today, and a full one it has been. Sorry for the uh, awkward introduction there to our, our song, Before the Weather. I uh, was listening to a march the other day, and it was taking me back to the days of my childhood, listening to my grandma's radio in the morning when I'd spend the night in the patriotic marches they used to play, and it's got me all sentimental as we're a week out from Independence Day. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Mary, Mother of the Church, pray for us. St. Joseph, terror of demons, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We're back at it again tomorrow morning. Until then, for Covenant Network, I'm Adam Wright. Thanks for listening to Roadmap to Heaven today. And as we love to remind you each and every day, on behalf of the Blessed Mother, pray your rosary today.